Hey everyone, and welcome back to Student Entrepreneur 101. In this episode, I will be speaking with David Lin, the CEO and founder of Duffel. Duffel is a company that delivers snacks to college students in 10 minutes and is on a mission to empower students to better serve each other. Duffel has raised over $13 million, is backed by Y Combinator, and is currently based in universities across California, Arizona, and Texas. In this episode, you'll learn about David's experience with Duffel, the importance of building something that people want, how personal development is crucial to success in business, and more. David, hello and welcome to the podcast. Please say hello and share one recent win that you and your team at Duffel had had. Hi, Rose. Nice, nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Um, one recent win would probably have to be all the progress we made over the summer on what we call the talent pipeline, which is the training system that takes any college student and helps foster them and develop them into future managers and um, basically the CEOs of their store. So we have built a lot of training material and different evaluation schemes and incentive structures to give to our racers so that they can grow with, within the company. Yeah. Wow. That's really exciting. Um, congratulations, by the way, on all the success you've achieved with Duffel so far. I know you're currently based at a couple schools across California and Arizona and, you know, across the United States. So it's so, so exciting to start our conversation today. Why don't you share a little bit about the inspiration behind Duffel? You know, what was going on at the time? Was there a specific challenge or gap in the market that you noticed that really motivated you to start Duffel? Yeah, I think every founder has to answer this question quite a few times. And it's funny because I'm sure other people feel the same way. But the narrative, it's sort of determined by the founder. You know, like a lot of things happen to you throughout the process. And the person living it sort of determines which one of them is meaningful and they kind of write their own story in that way. So I think when I look back on my experience, there were a lot of factors. One of them was definitely my experience growing up in Peru and having access to really fast, cheap um, and high quality food and service. And then just coming here and experiencing kind of the opposite and then working at the concession stand at UCLA. And, and I just thought like college students really could use more opportunities to make money while they're pursuing their degree. So I really pushed for finding a way to do that. And that's where Duffel was born. And we were definitely very inspired by bird when they dropped their scooters. Yeah. So it's sort of like a bunch of things came together at the right time. I was also going going through sort of an existential crisis as a philosophy major. Uh, and that had a huge, huge impact on why I decided to take the leap. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think like in life, you don't really do things as much as things happen to you. And I don't consider myself the doer. I'm, I'm more the watcher. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, You know, you took your cumulative experiences, you know, being raised in Peru, having that access, as you said, to, you know, good food really quickly. And then, you know, taking your experience with what you observed doing at UCLA, uh, working at the concession stands and then 
as you said, like observing birds, just recently coming out and taking that all together and being able to build duffel. That's so amazing. And I think a quote that I like to follow sometimes is, you know, as you mentioned, like things happen to you, maybe things happen for you. And so, you know, that's why you're able to take all these things and bring them together in a positive company that is Duffel today. So that's so exciting. And, you know, in your early days, you did mention Bird, like had recently come out, had recently started their scooter services. So, you know, what, you know, when you were entering the market, what was your experience there in terms of market research? Um, what kind of research did you conduct and, you know, what competitors did you face and how, you know, in that whole research process and kind of observing how you're going to enter the market, how you're going to distinguish Duffel, what was that whole process like? Yeah, great question. I think a lot of people have a misconception around the ideation process of startups. Mm -hmm. And it, it seems like in retrospect that it was a premeditated activity. And in reality, I don't think it, it is premeditated. I think most successful startups um, that I that I know of and that I've studied sort of happen organically. So think like Airbnb or Facebook, or, you know, or any of the big companies today. Um, it wasn't like they were really like Bill Gates wasn't thinking about mm, what is the market for personal computers and what's the competitive analysis. He was just into computers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think like that's what I mean by it's not things happening um, that you're doing. It's sort of things that happen for you, right? Like you said. And I don't think I really thought about the market much um, when I was starting. I thought more about what I wanted to spend my time doing and what I thought was special about the time. And I think the micro mobility revolution and the scooter revolution was new at the time. And so that's the wave I sort of hopped on and everything mm -hmm. else sort of happened, you know, the way nature intended. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, when you talk about the micro mobility revolution that was happening at the time, you know, when you introduced Duffel to UCLA, what were students' first reaction? Yeah, I think their first reaction was sort of this, they were very mind blown that we could be so fast. Mm -hmm. I remember delivering our first order in four minutes. Wow. And um, yeah, my, my co-founders and I at the time were like, this this guy was so excited <laughs> to get a Yerba Mate delivered a hitch in four minutes. And that was sort of the light bulb moment for us. You know, when you see customers love something that you do, you, you follow that signal. And that's what we found. And you know, initially I was delivering like Starbucks and Gucci and I was just picking stuff up. Once we realized that we could just own the inventory and just deliver snacks, that was a pivotal moment for us. Yeah. Yeah. And in the early days, you know, of Duffel, did you, were there any strategies that you used to generate interest and gain traction? Uh, you know, what was that process like really taking off at UCLA? Yeah, I remember my co-founder released this video. He was a really great marketer and one of the most um, just brightest minds, I would say, in, in that field. And he made this video that was basically an introduction into Duffel. And it started with, hey, UCLA, we deliver snacks in 15 minutes. And that sort of went viral and it was just everywhere and everybody saw it. And then they tried us out. Um, and then after that, word of mouth and referrals sort of took over. 
and so for kind of my focus has been entirely on referrals and organic word of mouth mm-hmm. um and i think like you you got to build something people want and if people don't talk about it organically then you don't have product market fit yeah yeah absolutely and when you talk about building things that people want you know, what was the process like maybe changing the, the traditional shopping habits of students, you know, who maybe would already go down to Westwood and say, pick up some groceries or snacks from Target. Um, you know, obviously there was demand because Duffel has taken off and has gained so much traction across many different campuses. But what was that like in the beginning? Did you notice that was a little harder at first or was there really quick adoption? What was that process like? To be honest, I think for us, we had pretty strong product market fit from the very beginning and users would tell their friends and we would get a lot of new users um, without really trying to do mm-hmm. much. We, we Don't get me wrong, we tried a lot of different things. Um, basically every growth channel you can imagine, um, but very few things truly moved the needle. And mm-hmm. I think the things that moved the needle were um, great content that were organic, and people would share that. Um, and that usually just came from our staff when they were having a great time. Referrals, which is the get $10, give $10 thing you can use on our app. And guerrilla marketing. So we would like spray paint the floor with duffel. We would sticker bomb everywhere. We would flyer a lot. I remember I, I wrote needwestwood.com on on a chalkboard at UCLA and it's still there like four years later. Oh, really? <laughs> like so at the very top of like one of the halls. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And, you know, you mentioned handing out flyers and really just ma- like building a concrete presence within the UCLA community, whether that was on social media or in person, like on the ground. And I know I've personally seen the duffel scooters and deliveries in in progress and so you know what was that process like maybe building the physical presence throughout ucla westwood maybe people see like the orange sweater and delivery bag on a scooter zipping by but you know in terms of getting people to really know what duffel is and really use the service what what was that like yeah i I would say i think every business is different some businesses have a paid engine Mm -hmm. so the only way to find out about them is through social media right? or Google. And they sort of just pay Google and Facebook a, a ton of money to advertise. And for us, I think we had more of a viral engine t- to start. And that's because we hired so many students. And you got to think like each person has a lot of friends, especially in college. So if each person yeah. has 20 friends, and they love Duffel and they truly love it, then all of their 20 friends are going to know about it. And then each of them have 20 friends. So everyone in college is really three or four degrees of separation from each other. Mm-hmm. And if you can make a, a small group of people really love you, and if that group happens to be, you know, in Greek life and super connected, then that is 20% of the effort that results in 80% of the outcome. Yeah. So that's what we did. We just hired a, a lot of people and gave them great opportunities. 
Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And, and you bring up a really great point, specifically building a business in a college community, a college campus. You know, you have that proximity, that social proximity, you know, geographical proximity, which I think really worked in your favor for the micro mobility movement that you were building for delivery services. And so, yeah, that's so great that you were able to see that, like take note and identify that opportunity and, you know, fully take advantage of it with the services that you offer through Duffel. So yeah, that's so amazing. Thank you. Yeah. In the beginning, could you maybe talk about a few challenges that you faced launching Duffel? I know you mentioned that you got a lot of organic kind of like word of mouth marketing and you you were actually able to find product to market fit pretty easily. But what was it like, you know, maybe logistics, like scaling, getting people to maybe onboarding people to make the deliveries? Were there any challenges that you did face early on? <laughs> So many challenges. We ran the first store from my apartment for about a year. And let's see, we didn't have scooters. So we had to figure that out. And um, we got pretty scrappy with it, let's mm -hmm. just say. We didn't have a supply chain. So I would drive my Jeep to Costco and Walmart every weekend. Mm -hmm. And we would rush back before the ice cream melted and like half of them would melt. That was the fun. That was fun every weekend. Um, we didn't have a website really, so I built one on Wibbly to start and then we didn't have a payment processor, so I would write Python scripts. All of that sort of improved over time, but mm -hmm. there were just new problems. Like when we signed our first lease, like I never signed a lease in my life, you can imagine. Like, I don't know how to hire a general contractor and how to yeah. paint the walls and how to install a lock and where to get a fridge. And you just sort of figure all of this out because mm -hmm. you have to, right? right. Um, that's why I think entrepreneurship is honestly the best avenue for self-development. People take courses and read self-help books and um, go to university. But to be honest, if you want to learn a lot about yourself and become better, just start a business because yeah. you're going to have to become better if you want it to succeed. Yeah. You have to become more organized if you're disorganized. You have to become more charismatic if you're if you're shy. You have to become more empathetic if you're not. It forces you to learn all the skills that you don't have because you are the bottleneck of the business. Mm -hmm. But you can imagine if Elon Musk starts a business, it just succeeds because he already has all those skills. He's like a level 100 wizard. And so, <laughs> you know, I think that's kind of the vision of Duffel is to provide students and young people an opportunity to run real businesses and make real mistakes, right? Because that's how you learn. Experience precedes knowledge. And our captains today are managing seven-figure P&Ls. And our admirals who used to be captains and racers are managing multiple stores in entire regions and entire states. So, you know, I think like as Duffel grows, I want that opportunity to be more accessible to people. Because when I was in college, I couldn't. I couldn't start a business. It was very hard. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to figure out a lot by yourself. It's yeah. like, thank God for AWS, right? Like, I don't have to figure out servers and, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> load balancing servers and stuff. Any startup can just sign up and have a server. Um, yeah. Like, YouTube, for example, you don't, you know, you have a platform if you want to make videos. I think Duffel is a different kind of platform for entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I loved a lot of things that you just said right there. I mean, the first being, you know, entrepreneurship is a great channel for self-development. I really believe that. Yeah, really just 
finding areas for improvement, always getting feedback, making iterations. Yes, 100%. And, you know, you mentioned in the beginning, all of the challenges, you know, you were running the deliveries out of your, did you say your apartment? Like, that's, that's amazing. How many orders do you think you were running out of your apartment for a while in the early days? I would say that's, like, that's a lot. <laughs> up to like 100 a day. And then, oh, wow. and then we had to get a, a little townhouse on the first floor because my apartment was on the fourth floor. So we oh. were clogging up the elevator with like three, Groceries. four scooters. Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> How many refrigerators then, did you need for all the ice cream that you were doing? We only had like we only had like three or four mini fridges. Uh-huh. I think we had a big fridge and two mini fridges. Oh wow! Um, j- just on the corner of my apartment. Mm-hmm. It was honestly <laughs> some of the funnest times. You know, it, it sounds like a mess, and it was, and like my cat was running around, but um, my roommate was also a magician, and he was doing magic tricks for the racers, and they were having a great time. We were hanging out. My other roommate was a great drummer and had a great roommate who was a pianist and a guitarist and they would shred on the, so it was like a band, there was live music, there was magic, there was a store. It was just like this perfect chaos of college. And I think a lot of people honestly think back to that time as being amazing and like magical. Yeah. I certainly think about it that way. It was so many great minds in one room at the same time. Some of the people in that room have gone on to build huge businesses with hundreds of millions and and like that's just kind of the magic of college is that you get all these people at the same place and it's temporary yeah so my advice to some people in college today is really like enjoy it like don't you know it's, it's sort of corny and almost cheesy to say but like it really ends and it's a time like no other and, and there's always more time to work and more time to grind you'll be doing that for 50 years right but just Prioritize relationships. Those matter more than the money. Think long-term, uh, both for your career and for your people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that sounds like a good time, the early days, you know, in your apartment, as you said, perfect chaos. I I love that word. And, you, you know, you had a drummer, you had a magician. So, wow. And, you know, your cat, the mini fridges. Oh, my gosh. I can, just, <laughs> I can, I can imagine it. And it sounds like you know, a really unforgettable experience, you know, building out your own company, starting bottom up and building community, making friends and building relationships along the way. So I don't know, like that just sounds like such a great first story. Like, was there maybe like a funny or wild experience that you had early on? I mean, I can tell there were so many things going on at the time in one space and apartment. And so, you know, is there something that, you know, you still maybe laugh about or think about to this day about your early experiences yeah there were so many i think the the ice cream drives were definitely a highlight and kind of hilarious when i think back on it because now we have like a sophisticated supply chain with algorithms and you know semi trucks yeah (laughs) the fact that we were doing it so manually Mm -hmm. um and and so many different things it's like wow if i just if i had known right and like knowledge is the ultimate bottleneck and like I think I could have built the business to where it is today in like half the time if I had just known everything that I need know today. Mm-hmm. But you don't, right? And that's kind of life. Um, I would say there was this time that we were trying to buy a store um, in Westwood and the owner wanted us to pay in cash. In cash? <laughs> yeah. And <Wow. laughs> so my naive, you know, 20-year-old, I was just like running around getting cash 
and I had no idea because I'm in, like I'm not from I'm from Peru, right? And, like we did use cash a lot back home, but here nobody has that much cash. And right. I was running around from bank to bank to bank getting cash, and they were all like, "We don't have cash." So apparently, cash banks don't really have cash, right? Wow! <laughs> and, and like I literally emptied out like all the banks in LA, and <laughs> they were like, "Yeah, we don't have any more cash." And like I sat there at the end of the day with like a stack of cash and I was like, huh, why am I doing this? This is so sketchy. <laughs> and so I just like put all the money back and renegotiated with the guy. But I just thought it was so funny that I was running around the city all day collecting cash um, for this purchase, which yeah. is totally unreasonable <laughs> for it to be in cash. Yeah. 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 Wow. I mean, and that's only something you can appreciate in retrospect, right? Like driving around LA with all this cash, like, you know, trying yeah. to build your first store, like it's a big deal. And in the moment it's, it's, you know, you do what you have to do to, you know, bootstrap and <laughs> build this company of yours. And so, wow, that's, that's an amazing story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think like the, the big lesson there is before you go off and do something, really sit there and think about, <laughs> do I actually have to do this thing? Mm-hmm. So when I look back and all the things we did and we were very busy, right? Half the things were pointless. Mm. And so, you know, with hindsight, I can tell that they're pointless at the time. It felt very important. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think like it's hard, it's easy to say hard to do, but really think about what you're doing and whether or not it has an impact. Yeah. And if not, do the thing that actually makes this thing easier or unnecessary. To constantly find like a higher priority. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I love that you said that, you know, figure out where you want to spend your time and what makes an impact. One of the personal rules that I like to follow is like the 10, 10, 10 rule. Like, will this matter in 10 minutes, 10 days, 10 months? And so, you know, really understanding 10 years, 10 years even. Yeah. I mean, for, for an entrepreneur, a business owner, 10 years down the line really matters. And so being able to understand that and, you know, plan accordingly, think with that approach, it's so, so important. And so it's great that you're already implementing that into Duffel's operations, you know, in terms of where you can make an impact, be most efficient. That's great. And, you know, following that same line of reasoning, let's talk a little bit about operations. You've managed to expand to several college campuses and First of all, that's amazing. Congratulations. Like that is a big deal. And so let's talk about operational challenges or really important lessons you've learned when it comes to scaling a business across so many locations. Like maybe what is your number one lesson when it comes to scaling a business? <laughs> that's a great question. My number one lesson for scaling a business is to invest in the right people. Invest in the right people. Yeah. And how has that helped you, you know, maybe going from UCLA to, you know, other parts of California? Yeah, I think I think I want to put this in a way in which my younger self would have understood. Yeah. Because it's very hard to understand when you don't go through it. Mm -hmm. Like, you hear that a lot, right? Like, it's all about people, invest in people, whatever. Mm -hmm. But the reason why that's important is this. Most of the work that a company does in the long term, it's not done by you. So the goal is to grow a company that can do things without you. And so the quality of those things that are being done 
isn't about how well you can do it. It's about how well you can find the right people to do it. And when you make a bad hire, the reason why a bad hire costs 10x their base salary is because of all the decisions and bad hires that they make. Right? They yeah. might make a million dollar decision on your behalf. And that's why it costs so much when you make a mistake. On mm -hmm. the other hand, if you make a great hire, that person might make a million dollars on your behalf. And so that is why basically talent is ultimate leverage, right? Yeah. The people that write your code, the people that make your content, the people that make the company money, it's ultimately the most important asset. And you should always invest in your people, your product, and then your profit in that order. Yeah. Because it's your people that make your product and it's the product that generates profit. And I think a lot of the times early on, you get trapped in these like cycles of I'm so busy doing things. And then you deprioritize maybe that interview or the hiring or you're too stressed to like care about this relationship. And it should be the other way around. Like you should be spending all of your time with your people such mm -hmm. that these other things kind of like slowly just go away because your people are handling it. Um, but yeah, again, I think it's easier said than done. And you, it's hard to really internalize until like, until you go through it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was good. I love that. Invest in your people. Yeah. And something I often hear is, you know, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And, you know, when you hear things like your network is your net worth, it's so true. Thank you for sharing that. You know, we've covered a lot of great information today. You've shared so many insights. When you think about, you know, the future for Duffel, how do you see the Duffel community and business expanding and growing? Yeah, I think I shared a bit about the vision of Duffel in the long term. I really yeah. see us as more an education company that happens to sell snacks. Yeah. Um, my goal is to really provide people an opportunity to learn to learn how to manage a team, to learn how to build a great product, to learn tactical skills like marketing and supply chain and all this stuff. And I think I see a world where anyone can open a double store from anywhere, from any space. Um, and I think in the next, you know, that's kind of the 10 year vision. And in the next five years, I want us to be in every university across America. Because universities are a very special place. Yeah. And they're filled with very special people um, at the cusp of their careers and about to enter the world. And I think they could really use, one, a community, and two, an avenue for self-development. Yeah. And life is ultimately about self-discovery, about figuring out what you want, what you don't want, what you like, what you don't like, what you're good at, what you're not, not good at. And I think Duffel just plays a, a small role in a person's life story, helping them figure out where they belong and where they want to be. Amazing. David, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show and share your story, your insights, um, and just a window into your experience with Duffel. I wish you the absolute best of luck. Thank you so much, Rose. It's a pleasure. You can learn more about Duffel by visiting their website and following them on social media. So be sure to check out the links in the episode description. 
And that's the end of this episode with Student Entrepreneur 101. Today we learned the story behind Duffel and listened to David share his experience building the company. What did you learn from David in this week's episode? What are your top three takeaways? Make sure to head over to at Student Entrepreneur 101 podcast on Instagram and share your thoughts. Do you know someone that wants to jumpstart their entrepreneurial journey? Then share this episode with them. All right, guys, stay tuned for the next episode because I have even more stories, insights, and value to share with you coming soon. 